This Church Life Today podcast is a production of Redeemer Radio and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame FCU and our listeners. Welcome to Church Life Today. I'm your host, Leonard DiLorenzo. In 1912, a priest named Father John Francis Knoll worked up a plan to evangelize on a broad scale and respond to some of the pressing issues of his day facing the church. His plan came into print as the Our Sunday Visitor News Weekly, which has been in print ever since. In 1915, as circulation and revenue grew from this and soon to be other publications, Father Knoll innovated again this time founding the Our Sunday Visitor Institute, the sole mission of which was to distribute the profits from Our Sunday Visitor's publications to religious, educational, and charitable projects of the growing church in the United States. More than 100 years later, this legacy of the man who would later become Archbishop Knoll has funded more than $75 million worth of grants to support and enrich the life of the church in the United States. Today, the current president of the Our Sunday Visitor Institute, Jason Shanks, joins me to talk about the new strategic vision for the Institute a century after its founding. Jason Shanks, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Now, Jason, you took on the position of president of Our Sunday Visitor Institute just about two years ago, and that was right after the Institute itself celebrated its 100th anniversary, so a well-established institute by the time you came on board. Why were you attracted to this institute and its mission? Yeah, it's a great question. I was personally attracted to it, one, because of its, its history, its legacy, frankly, a history and legacy that no one really knew about but the potential of the Institute to make a, a large impact in the national church. As you have said, this Institute was founded in 1915. So when you look at foundation Institute type things within the United States, it's one of the oldest, but it's sort of this best kept secret. Uh, I was really interested because the board was interested in taking the Institute in a new direction to re-envision what the Arsenio Visitor Institute could look like and become. And personally, I was excited about that challenge especially as it relates to finding the needs of the American church and how we can help address them and become a really, uh, instead of just passively to giving grants away, that we could really be a leader and a thought leader in trying to to drive real solutions in the church. Mm. Now, you said, you know, the Institute had been around for 100 years and doing lots of work, but maybe it was one of the best kept secrets that people didn't necessarily know the Institute by name. But uh, as you mentioned, you know, giving away grants for 100 years or more, many people have been affected by the Institute and perhaps not even realized that it was the Institute supporting the work that they had been impacted by, nourished by. How have a lot of those grants for, you know, the previous 100 years, how have they been effective in the church? What kind of work have, they, have you been promoting in the past? Yeah, so so under 100-year history, we've given away about $75 million. One of the, the more funniest stories is when I first arrived, I would go to conferences and I would walk around and I could point out we helped on that and that and that and that. And I really, I really think it goes to show that our Sunday visitor has really been an engine, a backbone of a lot of positive ministries within the church that, again, no one knows about. Mm. In the past, the the criteria for funding for grants uh, has been rather broad. So they were in categories of catechesis, evangelization, um, respect life. 
And these categories probably came around, I would say, the 1980s and 90s, and a lot of different things fit in it. But we decided that we needed to narrow its focus, narrow it so that we could really try to measure impact, Mm -hmm. narrow it so that we can be more deliberate and intentional about uh, how the money is used to affect real and lasting change. But as you said, I mean, these dollars go all the way back to 1915. So you know, 1915, they didn't necessarily have the, the grant-making apparatus that people have today. Right. But the, our founder, Father Noel at the time, was very generous. And he really, he, so the idea of stewardship in our Sunday visitors is sort of in the DNA of, of who we are as, a, as an organization. Hmm. And we, we carry on that legacy today. Very good. Maybe a history more of like a secret Santa, that the gifts have been coming from here and not always recognized. And now, as you mentioned, kind of focusing a bit more on more uh, strategic priorities to really channel the most possible impact to measure it and to really be thoughtful about the stewardship of these funds. So as I understand it, the Institute has just launched a new strategic vision that really identifies targeted areas that you want to support. Could you tell us a little bit about this new strategic vision and and what the Institute is looking to promote and to support in the American Catholic Church? Yeah, that's great. Um, So one of the new re-envisioning of the Institute is, frankly, this rethinking about uh, our grant process to be less uh, uh, what I like to call an ATM and more intentional uh, in, in terms of how the dollars are used, working and partnering more with organizations, dioceses, and parishes to fund programs and services that we think is going to have a meaningful impact. One of the things I, I think happens quite a bit is we as church do a whole lot of stuff, but no one knows if it actually works. Hmm. And frankly, when you look at a lot of the data, of unaffiliated millennials and this, that, and the other, one could argue some of the ministries and things we're doing are not working, but we're still doing them. So really trying to, to have a, a sandbox, a, a place where we can try and pilot and think about new ways of doing ministry, new ways of evangelizing, new ways of, of touching lives, and learning from it. So beyond just the grants, we're putting together think tanks, we're putting together all kinds of other aspects to sort of round out our institute. To your question, the three initiatives that when we did a national search, we sort of looked and said, okay, what is the, the big need that is affecting the church of today? And three that we narrowed it down to would be the unaffiliated millennial. Um, we're calling it recaptivating the millennials. So if anyone's heard Bishop Aaron talk about the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, these people who are now self-identifying themselves as atheists or agnostics. So we have that initiative that we really think needs an all, all hands-on-deck attention mm-hmm. to. One, you ask the millennials, though, when did you consider yourself unaffiliated? 13. A lot of them say at age 10, at 13, yeah. right? Age, some say 10 or 13, right. right? So we realize that we also need to have a focus on parents. Yeah. We need to, we need to figure out how do we, and, and be honest, the McGrath Institute was really great. You guys came into a day, helped us think some of these things through, um, and, uh, and helped us think about the language of how do we form parents as leaders within their home who are forming intentional disciples? Mm-hmm. How do we create sort of a domestic church spirituality? So we really feel like there is a lot of initiatives in the church related to marriage and family in a broad, broad sense. There's a lot of initiatives, especially for 
preparing people for marriage, but there's not a lot of things happening for parents that we think are in survival mode. Hmm. So we feel like if we can, if we can fix and help the, the, by supporting parents more in the church, we're going to have an impact on the, whatever the unaffiliated next generation would be. Right. And then, and then uh, the third is a focus on uh, what we're calling the Hispanic experience. The Hispanic experience is one that, you know, that our Hispanic brothers and sisters, this isn't just the, the church of tomorrow, it's the church of today. What can we learn from their experiences? What can we learn from, from them that might impact and inform all of ministry in the United States? And then what services do we need to, do we need to help provide? So that one, we're looking at some leadership formation, leadership development with young adults, and believe it or not, we're also having an initiative for parent and family. So even within the Hispanic experience, you can see these two priorities of, of millennials and um, uh, supporting parents. And then lastly, what I would suggest is something, uh, so besides sort of these grant criteria, we are also embarking on um, a realization that we think that we need greater innovative and creative ministries within the church. We need to really think about how we can help foster new ideas. So OSV is embarking and figuring out how to be a catalyst of innovation, and we will be offering some OSV innovation prizes and some regional design sprints throughout the country uh, in collaboration with Catholic Creatives over the next year to try to develop um, new approaches to be most effective. Very good. You're listening to Church Life Today on Redeemer Radio. We're talking with Jason Shanks, president of the Our Sunday Visitor Institute. So going back to the three priorities, and then you have the, the fourth thing, which is these innovation prizes. Let's, I just want to kind of follow up on something you were mentioning in terms of the relationship between parenting and young people who disaffiliate from the church. And one of the things you said is to kind of recapture this domestic church spirituality and to promote or form parents as leaders. And that just strikes me as kind of a change in the way in which we think about leadership in the world, in the church. We often think about it as something we're doing out there, leading visibly, leading companies and communities and all that stuff. But the way you spoke about that, it was parents as leaders, and maybe that has to do with the way in which we educate and form our young people to really capture their imagination about being a parent and that this requires the kind of formation where you could lead at home. Is that something, and I'm just kind of following up on what you're saying, is this, is this sort of something that you're interested in in the Institute and connecting those two between parenting and the unaffiliated young people? Yeah, I think it's essential. I think you hit it, you hit it on the nose. I, you know, I think too often we sort of think of these as two worlds, right? I'm a leader out in the world. I'm a leader in the workplace. I'm a leader maybe at my school. I'm a leader at my place of business. Um, uh, and then we go home and we sort of let our hair down yeah. and we, you know, uh, go about our... But, but no, we, we're at a point where we have, to, we have to reframe the whole question. And we have to, we have to focus on... My, I am first leader at home. I am first leader of children in the best sense. I mean, it's not, you know, there's different types of leadership, of course, mm-hmm. uh, but in the best sense of, of how, you know, a leadership that is, it is rooted and grounded and modeled after Jesus Christ. So how, parent is as leader. And I think too often um, we have a drop-off kids mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm going to drop them off at, at, the, at the religious education program, I'll drop them off at school. And of course the church needs to support it. And frankly, I even think as church, as parish, as school, sometimes I think we have a mentality like, 
parent gets in our way or parent <laughs> is, you know, all those parents. Right? And as in this parish, I, I think the way we even structure our, our hours of Bible studies and services and ministries uh, as a, and a positive, is a positive example, I had a parish here locally who was going to have a penance service and they text everybody in the parish. And one of the things they said is, by the way, from 6 to 6.30 is a parent and family opportunity to go to reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So they have carved out right after dinner a very good time. They're going to have people on hand to help with your kids so that you can go to confession. I haven't seen anything like that, but the little things like that. So they weaken, enhance, and help parents. But it's ultimately parents that have to take the lead, and, be, and we have to form them. I just don't think we're, we're formed like that. I, I think too often when we heard the word domestic church, too, I think we think about domestic church, we think about it as we need to model our home as if it's a parish. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think it's the opposite. We need to model our, ho- our parish as if it's a home. Mm. And, and I think so even the nature of domestic church, I mean, even the way the church was started, in, you know, sort of in these homes— so I think it's a whole it's a whole paradigm shift. I think of of how we need to think about the question and how we need to to get at it. And but I think we need programs, ministries, resources, parishes, and dioceses. To frankly, let's figure out how can we better form parents and how can we work with them and support them in their primary mission of forming missionary disciples in the home. Mm. That's a really beautiful idea to model our parish as if it were a home. And I've never thought of it that way, that we really do. I think when we talk about the domestic church, we might have in our mind this imagination of the the home becoming like a parish. And our understanding of a parish right now perhaps has to do with a whole bunch of different programs. And going back to something you said earlier, you know, we do a lot of stuff in the Catholic Church in the United States, and we're not always really sure to what end or if it's working, and we just do more stuff. And so kind of remodeling right. the parish according to the home means it seems like being more intentional about home life and then being more intentional and perhaps selective about parish life and really kind of assessing why are we doing what we're doing and to what end. So, and that, that seems also... Yeah, that, that's yeah, exactly right. Ahead. That's exactly right. And then as you think about it, I mean, just think about it. If I'm a leader of everything, right, I'm going to have a roadmap. I'm going to put a mm. plan together. I'm going to be very intentional about... Uh, the environment and the culture of which I'm setting. So I think even this, this sort of goes hand in hand. As I'm as I'm thinking about being a leader, now I'm trying to think about you know what what are our values and what is the environment of which my uh, of my home and what's the culture I want to set. Now I say these things and I I'm a parent of five and my wife and I are you know we're trying to work on that very thing. You know right. I mean it, well, we get it. I mean it's hard when you got you know little kids running around and how do you carve out the time for you and your wife to be intentional and think about, um, but beyond that, you know, all families aren't like ours, right? Mm -hmm. So how do, you know, I'm thinking about that single mother who is working, you know, two or three jobs to make ends meet. And, uh, and then we wonder, you know, how how are we going to keep their, their kids in the faith? Mm -hmm. So how do we support them better? How do we support the whole, the whole structure completely different is, is a question that we're asking and we're, we're looking for people to sort of help us in terms of thought leaders but also to think about what are those uh, what are those programs or services that we could start up, we could try, we could fail fast, we can pilot to test and, and see what's what's some of the best approaches uh, out there to make it work. 
What kind of partners do you look for in terms of these, especially these three larger areas that you're looking to get into, the Hispanic experience, uh, long-term formation for parenting, and recaptivating millennials? Who are, who are the, the right kind of partners to work with you on that, those initiatives? So I think that there's going to be obvious partners on a national scale. So when you think about, example, recaptivating millennials, we're doing a lot of work with uh, Word on Fire, who I think is, is, this is, you know, this is their top focus in terms of how do we evangelize and bring back those unaffiliated millennials. There's a lot of different groups within the young adult space, uh, young Catholic professionals. There's a millennial conference uh, group. So there's a whole bunch of apostolates there, of course, young adult ministry in a broader sense from a diocesan level. Um, so then when you look at the Hispanic experience, again, there's, there's, uh, we just got out of the Encuentro, mm-hmm. um, so there's really a, a, a huge national plan that's uh, emerging and coming out of a lot of dialogues and questions. So we have um, working with uh, different people across the country uh, on that. And then the, the parents is one that, to be honest, it's funny because we have a grant. So our grant cycles, we have the supporting parents is the next one. So the next grant coming up that will prove this summer, not a whole lot of folks doing much in this space. So mm. from an apostolate standpoint, I probably can name four or five um, that, that we're, we're partnering with that we're working on. Of course, there's larger sort of national family life or, or marriage folks. And then there's groups like you know, uh, within universities such as yours, the you know, McGrath Institute, that we're proud sponsors of your vision program. Mm-hmm. And I think there's thought leaders that we tap into and, and help us think about, you know, um, how, 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 you know, these, these sort of three initiatives. And I think McGrath is sort of one of the premier ones, I think, in the country that, that we're, we're a proud partner with. I just want to add to this question, though, and say what we're really looking for is things that could scale. So maybe you're a parish, maybe you're a diocese, maybe you have an idea. We want to hear it. And our hope or our goal is, is that maybe you try something in your parish and it's working. Okay, how can we scale that to the next parish and the parish after that in the, in the diocese? How can we take that and make it, you know, sort of a national program, perhaps? So my point being is, is as we look for partners and as I'm naming some of these larger sort of national entities, uh, I think there's plenty of room for the startup idea and that local parish that's boots on the ground, working with families, working with Hispanics, working with young adults, that you can try stuff. And we want to see, do you have the idea that, you know, um, other dioceses, other parishes could benefit from? Absolutely. You're listening to Church Life Today and Redeemer Radio. We're talking with Jason Shanks, president of the Our Sunday Visitor Institute. Now, Jason, you also mentioned those innovation prizes. Uh, so when we were talking about these three areas in your new strategic vision, perhaps that's the opportunity for some larger type grants and more sustained partnerships. And I wonder, you know, in the innovation prizes, is this a, a chance for maybe m- people on a smaller scale level, individuals or small groups to to flesh out some ideas and really just try out a good idea that they have with you? Yeah, so this is so new that I can't even really even give you a website to go to <laughs> on the innovation set. That's but how you know something's really new. It doesn't the, even have a website yet. It's coming. Yeah, doesn't have, it's, it's not Facebook official yet. So um, <laughs> when we look at the grants, I must tell you, in all honesty, I haven't been, utter, I haven't been super impressed. Oh, really? By some of the things that we're seeing, the super things that we're seeing, right? So we are realizing that we feel like we need to be a catalyst for greater innovation and innovation in the best sense. 
So this is an innovation in church teaching. Let's, you know, let's, you know, this is innovation in the new evangelization, new in method, mm-hmm. uh, you know, new in expression. So I think we've even started changing and doing very well in terms of our language and how we talk about the faith. But I, I think our, our message are still sort of lagging. And so how can, how can we as OSB? So the, the goal being is, is uh, like you might see in some of the tech industries or, you know, other businesses, to create this innovation prize. So we've set aside three $100,000 uh, prizes, if you will, that'll get announced. And we're going to sort of open it up to say, what's your idea? With the idea that, you know, think about Catholic Shark Tank, <laughs> that there'll be an investment or an award or a grant. Uh, but hopefully there'll be some, there'll be some mentoring and there'll be some coaching and we'll, we'll try to help you take this idea that you have and, and scale it up. So right now we're trying to keep those focuses under these three areas, these three banners still, parents, Hispanics, and recaptivating millennials. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't stop you. If there's another idea that you think this is the next big thing, this is going to be the opportunity for people to go you know, crazy. We're looking for those, those innovators. We're looking for those entrepreneurs. We're looking for those people that, um, uh, and those new ideas that we, we think is going to really um, you know, move the church forward in the, for the next hundred years. So when there is a website, where or when there's a web presence for this, where might people be able to find more information on the innovation prizes? So our current website is osvinstitute.com. Mm-hmm. So people can go to osvinstitute.com, learn about these three areas, learn about the impact, read stories, look at national partners. And when the innovation prize is announced, we'll most certainly put it on the osvinstitute.com. They can check us out there. Very good. Well, we were talking in the beginning about you know, the long history of our Sunday Visitor Institute and uh, maybe not the same uh, sort of name recognition as our Sunday Visitor even in general. Many people know OSV from textbooks and other publications or the OSV News Weekly or from the envelopes at the back of their local parish. Could you just tell us a little bit about the relationship between our Sunday Visitor and the our Sunday Visitor Institute? Yeah, um, it's a great question. And um, so our Sunday, our OSB Institute is not a foundation. So this dollars that we're giving away three to four million dollars on an annual basis. Um, this is not coming from some endowment. This is not like a foundation where you have to give away a certain percentage every year. This is coming from the actual revenue that's generated from the products and services of our Sunday Visitor. So our Sunday Visitor Institute, which I'm the president, is integrated into the to the whole right? We're, we're, we're working with our, our colleagues that are out there um, working with dioceses and, and parishes with capital campaigns and increased offertory programs and parish vision planning. You mentioned envelopes. We have publications. Um, we're getting ready to launch a new church management um, system that parishes can take advantage of. So our Sunday visitor, um, and when you look at the sort of ecosystem of our Sunday visitor, it's pretty broad in its services and products that is serving uh, Catholic uh, directly, but also your parish and your diocese. All of that and in, in, in is generating revenue. And so I could not do any of what I'm doing if people stop buying the products or stop using the services. Um, so every time you buy something from our Sunday visitor, it's, given, it's, it's getting, being given back through um, the OSV Institute, but being given back in, a, in a, an impactful way. Um, that we've done the due diligence, we're working with partners, and we're trying to do things that we think is really going to be a, be a huge a huge benefit. Excellent. So 
a purchase of an OSV product, therefore, is a double investment in the church. You're buying something that's kind of enriching in terms of either a resource or something personal for yourself or your spiritual life, and then a portion of that money is going back into the institute that then reinvested in church initiatives across the country. That's exactly right. Yeah, we're sort of doubling down on our service to the church, not first through our, our services and products, and secondly, again, through that reinvestment, as you talked about. Exactly and this was right. part of the vision from the beginning or early on from Father, then Bishop Noel, correct? Yeah, so, I mean, very early on, I mean, he's, you know, at one point, the our, our, our Sunday visitor uh our Sunday Visitor is the name of a paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's referred to as OSV Newsweekly. At one point, that got up to a million copies a week. Wow. Um, and he, he, he bought a printing company for a dollar, so he's starting to print envelopes. He's, I mean, he's very entrepreneurial. Um, you know, it's, uh, and, and very early on, he was giving it back. I mean, you could read his writings, and he says, you know, the money that this is generating is not our money. It's not my money. It's the church's money. Mm. So he was very influential in terms of Building, building the National Basilica in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. um, and uh, you can go to the USCCB, and there's a statue uh, that, that uh, he donated. At one point, uh, legend has it that he donated more money to the Diocese of Fort Wayne South Bend than the actual people in the Diocese of Fort Wayne South Bend. Oh, my he was goodness. that generous. So, so that, you know, again, he didn't, he didn't necessarily have the vision that we have today in terms of you know, you go online, you fill out these grants, sure. you do it, this, that, and the other. Uh, but it was part of the DNA. It's part of the being a good steward that, that goes all the way back to to him. And then that, again, you know, in that time period, we've given out, I think I said 75, but now it's probably more like $78 million mm-hmm. in that over 100-year history um, from the Institute. And I'm not going to tell you who, but some of the stuff that people are out there looking and seeing um, from media to other things, OSB had a hand or a part in, 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 helping, in helping start. And this, you know, that was in 1915 to 1920 and, and thereafter. And now here we are in 2019. And, you know, just in listening, you, listening to you talk about these innovation prizes and some of the strategic priorities, it seems like we're calling, you're calling for these new kind of visionaries like the, the Father Noel of today who can have an idea that might be targeted, but innovative and can grow and have that kind of national reach over decades and decades, right? Exactly. I mean, Father Noel, he was using the media of the day. I mm-hmm. mean, there was a lot of anti-Catholicism happening. There was mm-hmm. a famous anti-Catholic paper called The Menace. He wanted to counter it. He started writing letters uh, called uh, uh, Letters from Your Pasture, which eventually ended up to be Our Sunday Visitor. He then looked at what his, the Protestant brothers and sisters were doing, and they weren't renting pews like we were doing then. And he said, we should adopt this envelope strategy. And, he, and, we, and now the, we're the leading producers of offertory envelopes in the world. Uh-huh. My point being is, is this is a guy that um, was an entrepreneur. He had new ideas. He, he, he looked outside of his, of his own circle. I think sometimes we navel gaze. And he, and he said, let's do it. Let's see what works and let's try it. And our Sunday visitor has, you know, uh, and the church at large has um, benefited from that. So you're exactly right. We're looking for the, the next Father Noel, uh, yeah. who, you know, Bishop Noel, and, and someone that was that entrepreneurial. Um, and you see this today, by the way. I mean, um, Bishop Barron and others, um, you, you see them using the media of their day, right? Mm-hmm. YouTube and, and movie reviews and this, that, and the other. And I think they've, they've fallen right in line with, of, of Father Noel of his day. 
Very good. We've been talking with Jason Shanks, president of the R Sunday Visitor Institute. The website is osvinstitute.com. You can go there to learn about their grants, the new uh, priorities and their strategic vision. And soon you'll be able to find out there more about their innovation prizes, which they're developing. Jason, thanks so much for spending the time with us today and bringing us up to date on all this new and innovative work that you and your colleagues are doing and issuing that invitation to the rest of us. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Thanks again. Great. And thanks to everyone out there for joining us on Church Life today. 